This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. But off the top in this hour, we touched on it off the top. How airlines handle a situation where a passenger dies on board a flight, which apparently happened yesterday, was a KLM flight, a Dutch uh, airline, traveling from Amsterdam to Calgary. Uh, Paramedics were alerted uh, about a passenger believed to be in some form of medical distress. By the time the flight landed, however, the man had already passed away. So paramedics were on the scene. This was just after 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon, ready to deal with the situation. Uh, The passenger had died already. Investigation's been turned over to the Alberta Medical Examiner's Office. But EMS said there did not appear to be anything suspicious. And look, this, this does happen. People do die on flights. Now, sometimes it's a, a medical emergency that leads to that. In other cases, you know, someone may just die in their sleep. So KLM isn't commenting uh, on the incident. Uh, Global News did speak with uh, Air Canada, for example. Their spokesperson, Angela Moss, says, quote, Our crews are trained in first aid and have air-to-ground communications linking them directly to medical staff who will help determine the right care. WestJet spokesperson Robert Palmer says these can be different situations. In the case of a guest passing away, we will probably not divert a flight, but continue on to the destination, especially if we learn that that guest is on his or her way home where other family members may be. Depending on the situation, we would either move the deceased guest to the rear galley and close the curtains, or if there is space, move other guests to other seats away from the deceased guest. So every situation is different, and maybe the way airlines respond then is different, given the circumstances. So how should these sorts of things be handled? Does it automatically mean diverting a flight if someone passes away on board? You know, as as the spokesman for WestJet noted, uh, the flight may be on the way to where that person's family is. And maybe that's the, the proper destination. So if a flight is going to continue on its way and somebody has died on board, well, what do you do with the body? And are airplanes, commercial airlines, equipped to deal with that kind of situation? Well, joining us for some thoughts, pleased to welcome in the program here today, Joe Brancatelli, who's the editor of JoeSentMe.com, a non-commercial website for business travelers. Uh, writes a lot about the airline industry. Joe, thanks so much for joining us. You appreciate this. Uh, thank you, Rob. It's nice to be here. I wish it was under better circumstances. Well, yeah, no kidding. So what's your sense of, of how often this kind of thing happens? Well, I think, Rob, it's really important for, for your listeners to understand it happens, I don't want to say much more frequently, but certainly more frequently than people think. Um, just five weeks ago, another KLM flight did divert because of the passenger death. It was flying from Amsterdam to Buenos Aires uh, in Argentina, but actually landed two hours away um, and disembarked the the deceased passenger. So it's not unheard of that um, you will do a diversion for a death. Now, that may have been in flight, and there was a chance to 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 intercede medically. Uh, Christmas Eve, an Air Canada flight from Toronto to London diverted to Shannon in Ireland to try and save a 10-year-old child right. uh, who died. She was met, the, the plane was met by paramedics at Shannon Airport. Unfortunately, the child passed away in flight en route to even a diversion. So as as you were explaining there, it really is a very individualized situation based on possibility of keeping someone alive nearest airport, logical, you know, something logical. Um, Stopping in the middle of nowhere doesn't help anyone, really. 
No, it wouldn't. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense because as much as the people on the flight might have some first aid skills, if it's about saving somebody's life, you need some medical intervention. In a case like that, it's it comes down to landing somewhere as soon as possible. Absolutely. It's, it's you know, I have to say, as a, I had a family member, we were on a flight uh, where one of my family members was taken ill on a flight from Hawaii, supposedly going all the way back to New York. We never quite made it back to New York. Uh, but what the crew did at the time was clear out the entire first place, first class cabin, so that uh, my mother, uh, my mother-in-law could lie down on on the on the on the floor of the aircraft, and they made it. We made it as far as St. Louis, which was a logical stop for that airline to make. And people met us at the airport, and we were rushed to a hospital. Now the decision was made. Obviously, they couldn't turn. We were too far over water to turn around. But the decision was made. She wasn't quite as serious as needed, as as you know, to an immediate stop. So we could get as far as St. Louis, uh, which was a logical place for the airline to stop. That was their hub, um, and she would be in no danger. Um, as explained, the aircraft crews do have this thing called MedLink which allows them to talk to medical personnel, pretty much as many people now have in their own homes, uh, where you can talk to a, a qualified person. Uh, and sometimes there's even an, uh, you know, a doctor on board who might be able to help. So in a situation, though, where you know, someone has passed away, uh, maybe an elderly passenger, someone passes away, uh, perhaps even in his sleep or her sleep, uh, and there's... there's Nothing that can be done to save that person. Uh, does it make sense at that point to continue the flight? And if so, what what happens with the body? Well, it, 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 again, it depends on where we are in in the flight, um, where we are in terms of how many people are on board. Uh, anyone who's been on a flight lately knows that uh, flights are much more crowded than they used to be. So we've heard of situations where there literally is no place to take the body and that basically they just take a blanket and put it over the person's body uh, and go on to the logical place, which would almost normally be the original destination. Because it doesn't always make sense to turn around. It doesn't make sense to stop at an interim point. So the thing to do is radio ahead, and in the case of, of a deceased person, they would have the medical examiner or, or a coroner or a, a funeral home pick up the body. So that's usually what's done uh, unless there is some sort of mitigating circumstance. And, well, yeah, and that makes sense. I guess the question is on board. You can't really leave the, the body where the person was sitting, right? Something has to be done. You can't just have other passengers sitting next to a dead person. Well, some, sometimes there literally is no space to put somebody. If all the seats are full, the only, and you really don't want to, in many cases, you, you can't move them into, say, a bathroom because you, if it's a, you know, flight, rigor mortis begins almost immediately. You might not be able to move that body. You don't want to move it to the, to basically the only other large enough space on a plane, which is a galley. It just creates, you know, medical situations. So if there are seats, they will move the people, let's say it's in a row of three, they will move the other two people and just leave the body there. But if the plane is sold out, as I said, we've seen situations where there simply is no choice. But people have to sit there and knowing that next to them is a, is a deceased person and there's, a, there's nothing more they can do than throw a blanket over them. 
Yeah. It's a very tricky situation. There's not a lot of real estate on even the widest of wide-body planes. And space is at a premium. Obviously, there, there's an effort to minimize the amount of, of useless and redundant space. So there's not a lot of, as you say, just uh, you know, little corners and, and pockets, et cetera, where there's all this uh, available space. I would, I would say anybody who's been on Air Canada Rouge will know how little space there is well, yeah, no on a flight, even for people who are capable of getting up and walking around. There's just nowhere to go. And if all those seats are full, you know, they, there is a situation where you might then say, maybe we'll divert just because it's so unpleasant, not, not physically, but just simply emotionally. But again, you're in the situation of, would diverting to an intermediate destination actually make any sense? It might cause more problems for both the airline who's responsible for the body and the families. Now, sometimes, of course, if you're just a, you know, 15 or 20, let's say you've left you've left Calgary on the way to Vancouver, say, maybe you're only 15 minutes into the flight. It might make sense to turn around and come back to Calgary. But it might also make sense to go on to to Vancouver simply because there's other people waiting for that plane. Airlines don't have a lot of planes sitting around doing nothing. So there are no pun intended at all, Rob. There are so many moving parts in any situation where an airline has to divert, whether it's for the mechanical health of the plane, for a physical health, that almost always the preferred situation is get where you're going. Not Not always the popular choice, but often the most practical choice. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, look, there, there's all kinds of reasons to criticize the airline industry. It seems like on something like this, they're going to be criticized either way. And, and it does seem as though, for the most part, they're, they're trying to do the best they can with a, a difficult situation because there aren't easy and obvious answers here. I, I, I think that's true. And as I say, the situation, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate to have to say it this way, but it is the literal truth. It's easier to deal with a deceased situation than someone in medical crisis. Because when someone's in medical crisis, there are many more decisions that have to be made. Um, For all the talk, I I know Angela Ma, who you quoted for many years. She's a smart woman um, and is not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes, but not every in-flight crew is brilliantly trained to handle these things, just as not every person is... is, uh, with, with no training is, is capable of handling an emergency situation. So sometimes the, the makeup of the crew itself would be involved. If you have, if you have a flight crew that maybe is not particularly experienced, very young, or maybe high strung, maybe you're going to make a different kind of decision. So as I say, when that person is alive and there's a medical situation that needs to be assessed, the game is, is frankly much more much more precarious, and you'll have to actually go to a higher level at the airline. The captain is in charge of the, the flight itself, and very few people would override the captain. But on a situation where there's a medical emergency, they might go to a to an aircraft to an airline officer and say, "Okay, are we okay to divert to the nearest airport where there's a decent hospital?" Yeah. All right. Well, some great insight, Joe. Thanks so much for making some time for us here again. Uh, Joe sent me dot com. Much appreciated. Thank you, Rob. All right, take it. care. Uh, Joe Brancatelli, uh, editor of JoeSemi.com, again, a non-commercial website for business travelers. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough situation. And it is a dilemma for, for the airlines. What do you do? Look, obviously, if someone is in medical distress and they need medical attention, it's a different kind of situation, right? You've got to try to find a place to land, land as quickly as possible, make sure people know and are ready to deal with the situation. And that, that was 
how they attempted to deal with it yesterday. Because it did start off as a medical emergency. And so they must have been close to Calgary. So they continued on. Paramedics were there waiting. The passenger had died by the time they'd landed. If you're in the air, unless you luck out and right, there's a doctor on board who can deal with the situation, you're basically going to get first aid from, from the crews on the flight, and that's that. So, yeah, if you're on an Edmonton to Calgary flight, that's a different situation than if you're on a transatlantic flight and you're way out uh, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? You're several hours away. And, yeah, if someone has died, well, then it's no longer an emergency. Does it require the flight to land as quickly as possible? Why are you landing the flight? Are you landing the flight because you need to get the dead person off the flight as quickly as possible? Is it disrespectful to continue the flight with the deceased person on board? Are you doing it for the comfort of the passengers who don't want to sit near or even just don't want to have to think that they are sharing a plane with the deceased person? So if it's just the discomfort of the passengers, is that a reason to divert a flight and have an emergency landing somewhere? That's a tough call. As I say, fortunately, I've never had to deal with anything like that on any flight I've been on. Uh, some people have been texting earlier, share some of their stories. Uh, this one says, Rob, 30 minutes into my WestJet flight last night from Phoenix. We had a lady go down, call it for a doctor, took her off a stretcher when we landed in Calgary. Uh, this one here says, Rob, I was traveling back from a work hitch in uh, Ecuador in 2002 when an elderly person suffered a suspected heart attack. She was brought up into the business class area where I was seated. A doctor that was on board the flight worked on the lady for 45 minutes. He pronounced her dead after his efforts. The lady was covered with a blanket and laid there on the floor for the remainder of the flight. We diverted to Louisville. It was the closest, as it was, the closest airport to land at. It was a very sad situation for all on board. The family that was accompanying her were going to visit family in the U.S. for the first time. And they all left the place together in Louisville instead of Houston. Well, I guess that's not that far away. But yeah, let's say you are flying from Amsterdam to, to Calgary. And maybe you're from Calgary. you got family waiting for you in Calgary. And you, you die mid-flight, and all of a sudden your flight lands on, on the East Coast. Or maybe your flight lands like in London or something. Well, now you've got this whole other jurisdiction now that's got this body on its hands. And what are they supposed to do with it? So, yeah, it could complicate matters then to, to divert a flight and have an emergency landing. Anyway, 403-974-8255. We're back with more right after this. All right, welcome back. Someone said that uh, KLM flies over the pole on that route. Never flown from Amsterdam to Calgary, but I imagine that's a long flight. Uh, and that was the flight in question yesterday. Someone else points out, by the way, if the idea is we're uncomfortable with knowing that we're sharing a flight with a deceased person, well, obviously, air, airlines do transport deceased people who might need to be returned from one city to another for funeral and or burial. So you've probably shared a flight with a deceased person and maybe not realized it. There's a story uh, on this uh, from a couple of years ago in the Daily Mail points out that Singapore Airlines fleet of Airbus A340 to 500 aircraft, which were used on all business class flights to the U.S. and are no longer in service, became the first to include a so-called corpse cupboard, a discreet locker large enough to store an average-sized body. 
While a corpse cupboard, cupboard may sound extreme, staff are trained to move a deceased person out of view from other travelers. But that is not always possible, depending on the number of passengers on board and the size of the plane. Let's go to the phones, 403-974-TALK. This is Olga. Olga, good afternoon. Hi, Rob. Uh, just wanted to uh, give a little bit of information. Uh, I'm a retired flight attendant, and okay. I'd just like the public to know that any medical emergency on an aircraft is the most distressing situation for all on board. I would think so. Yeah. Yes. The guests of the flight crew, the captain, everyone. Uh, in most cases, there's a member of the flight crew that's designated immediately to keep the captain informed at all times as to what's happening with the guest that's uh, incapacitated or in medical distress. The um, procedure is exactly as you say, if someone passes away and we're unable to move them due to circumstances beyond our control, we do our very best to be as discreet as possible, as dignified and respectful as possible of the family, the guests around the individual and the individual itself. Um, to have them appear to be sleeping with the blanket covering them, uh, something along those lines, if it's at all possible. It's incredibly emotionally distressing for everyone on board. Um, it's worst-case scenario, and our hearts ache for the families, the individual, the guests around the individual. And I do have to give complete kudos to most guests Anytime I was ever involved in a medical situation on board an aircraft, the guests are more than accommodating, more than kind uh, to help out, do whatever they can, simply be out of the way. Uh, whatever that takes is what they do. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but it is a fact that does happen more often than we'd like to think. So it sounds like you, you've dealt with a few of those situations during your time as a, a flight attendant. I did. Yes, and we all, and there's not a flight crew that doesn't. Um, hopefully, most of them are very minor in nature, but definitely not always the case. And that, is that that part of your training then to to have? Oh, yes, yeah, right. Absolutely, part of our training. It's a huge part of our training. As a matter of fact, first aid is a huge focus at WestJet, and uh, we have limited supplies on board, but we're completely skilled and trained in using what we do have on board. And always best case scenario is if you have medical medically experienced and knowledgeable guests on board with you who can identify themselves, show that they uh, have ID on them, that they are medically uh, uh, qualified and, you know, let them take over as best as possible. Also on board, uh, we have available to us a link where we can phone um, a medical agency that's set up. And I want to say it used to be in Phoenix, but I'm not sure where it is now. And I forget how many hundred people in different languages are available to us that can right. speak. That's MedLink. MedLink, yeah, I think it's called, exactly. right? Yeah. That's exactly what it's called. And it is the most wonderful resource. Um, and that is something we use immediately also. Um, and also the medical staff on board, or not staff, but the medical guests that are on board will often speak with them as well um, to get further information, to give updates, to get advice all those sorts of things. There's a lot that can be done, and obviously due to circumstances, a lot that can't be done. Right, and then I guess depending on the circumstances, that's going to determine how a situation is handled. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and it can change so quickly. 
and that's just something that we all have to be prepared for and deal with. And the, and like I say, the the uh, captain is always kept abreast of what's happening, minute by minute, basically, as much as at all possible. They do not divert aircraft to land in the U.S. if someone has someone has passed away or something like that, because as you said earlier, that's no advantage to the family or the or the the guests on board the aircraft or anything like that because ultimately we have to get that individual to their home base and you know yeah. for, for the family's sake and for everyone's sake right all right really interesting olga thanks so much for sharing you're, that with us appreciate welcome. it yep bye-bye. all right there you go so that's someone who uh, spent some time as a flight attendant and says yeah these kinds of things happen more than you think and there's probably not a flight attendant out there at least one who's been working for a while that hasn't dealt with that kind of a situation big part of their training have those first aid skills and know what to do in a medical emergency. Right? If someone's in distress, if someone is having a medical episode or emergency and they need medical attention, that becomes job number one. How do we save this person? How do we help this person? So she mentions uh, MedLink, this uh, resource the airlines have access to. And then you figure out where do we need to go? Where can we land? How quickly can we be on the ground? Make sure they're aware we're coming. Make sure they've got paramedics ready to go. And so that, that would be incredibly emotional and stressful. You can just imagine being a passenger on a flight watching all of this go down. It would be scary. If someone passes away on the flight, well, then now you've got a different situation on your hands. That's going to require a different kind of response. So appreciate that, uh, Olga. Thanks for sharing that with us. When we return from the uh, 130 News, we're going to revisit the issue of school fees. The NDP uh, announcing that Bill 1 is going to reduce school fees by about 25%. And yeah, for a lot of families, that's going to mean uh, less out-of-pocket. I'm I'm sure that will be well-received. But does it address the underlying problem as to why those school fees are there in the first place? Where's this money going to come from? We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.